Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside me for the next couple of days is big Steve Harmison, with Jared otherwise engaged, Steve and I looking back at day two of the second test between England and West Indies. We'll be talking slow hundreds, bowling to second slip and expensive spinners. You're listening to the following on podcast. Well, by now you'll know that England made 469 for nine, declared just before six o'clock. Ben Stokes top scoring with 176, Dom Sibley making 120, and the two combining for a fourth wicket partnership of 260. It took some time though, and despite the old Trafford track offering spin and swing, that pitch is uh, it's also quite slow. West Indies, when they batted, they lost John Campbell, and if Sam Curran had forced the issue and been uh, a little bit more persuasive uh, when he asked Joe Root to review an LBW shout against Elzari Joseph, well, he would have walked off the pitch with two wickets. Still plenty to play for, though, and plenty to chat about. So let's get going. Story of the day. Well, as mentioned yesterday, Jared isn't uh, looking back at day two of the second test match. It's myself and Harmy. Um, looking very, very slim as well. All that golf and no drinking has definitely done you, uh, done you the power of good. You've got a bit of sun to you as well. I didn't even think it, w- it was sunny up north. It is well. It is on the coast anyway. It's just reflecting off the off the North Sea. It's still cold, but <laughs> there's a there's a little bit of sun there. I have lost a little bit of weight, but yeah, I think opening batsman for England, he looks as though he's lost a little bit of weight mm. and he's found a bit of form because that was a fantastic innings by Dom Simply. Yeah, I mean, um, well, let's start with Dom Simply actually because Ben Stokes top scored. He'll get a lot of the uh, the plaudits. We'll talk about him. Um, but you know there was a there were some questions about Dom Sibley when he made his debut. We were in South Africa, um, and let's be honest, there were a few very wise heads who thought that maybe he would struggle because he would just get so bogged down. Scoring would become such a problem that in the end it, it may not work for him. But two test centuries in eight tests, um, one home, one away. Uh, he's, he's eating up deliveries. Yeah, there's some weaknesses there and it's not particularly pleasant to watch. But uh, it does seem like England have got uh, have got a good one there. They have, yeah. And, and they say there's a lot of questions in the winter and there's still questions, probably still questions now on how he's going to sort of score runs and score runs at a quicker rate. 
But that's that comes easier with the education of the game of cricket at test match level. Now, you look at all the players that come and partnered Alistair, so Alistair Cook, and the one thing they struggled to do was get a second hundred. You know, quite a few of them got the first hundred, they couldn't get the second hundred. Now, once you get that second hundred or you, you, you know, you're, you're educating yourself in the game of test match cricket in the cauldron, you know there's not a crowd there. But it's a lot easier to do it with runs under your belt rather than having 40s to 60s. There's always a question mark. There's always somebody on your shoulder saying, well, he hasn't got that 100. He hasn't got that second 100. Now, Dominic Sibley can just relax a little bit more and get himself in a position to now educate himself in the game as his career develops because he's got 200s, eight test matches. He was magnificent today. England needed him to bat for such a long time. And I've mentioned a name there. Sir Alistair Cook. Now, Sir Alistair Cook played 160-odd test matches, batted very much like Dominic Sibley. You know, he's very, very limited in the scoring areas, but he was good in the scoring. He was magnificent. Cook, he was brilliant in the scoring areas, which he was good at, which was the tuck into square leg, you know, the cut and pull. You know, these were the, the shots that Alistair Cook had, but he had the mental, so much so greatness about him was the mental strength to just eat up balls and let the bowler come to him. Dominic Sibley's just proved that, that he's got a start in his career and start with a chance. If he does that, all these question marks that England had for the first, for, during that first test match, if Dominic Sibley is consistently batting between 150 and 250 balls, it's given England a better chance to you know, nullify, the, you know, nullify the bowlers, get to the second new ball when the bowlers are tired, and the likes of Stokes and the Butlers and the world coming down the order who can really explode and, and get England to a, a match and score. And I think that's the, the art and the beauty of how Dominic Sibley crafted his innings today. And I think the more he can do that with probably Rory Burns at the top of the order, Zach Crawley, who's a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more proactive and a little bit more, um, I think, nimble on his feet when it comes to scoring, I think that top that top three there has a better chance than having Denley in there with Burns and Sibley not not being able to score. I know Crowley didn't get any runs, but we've seen at Southampton the kid scores runs, and he scores runs in a in a decent lick against a, a against a new ball. So positive signs for England. And then if you give you set a game up for Stokes to go and you know, ex, you know explode ball and tire tire bowlers, um, and the situation. I think there's a lot being talked about Ben Stokes today. Talked about his his batting, saying he was he's now England's probably best batsman. I think Ben Stokes' biggest characteristic at this moment in time is the the way he develops his sort of mindset of where the game situation is. He does that with the ball very very well. When he when England are on, on the cusp of needing something to happen, he he gets the crowd going, he gets a wicket, but he does that with a bat as well. And I thought he did that today. He went through the gears so well. And he gave England a chance, and a largely down to the the concrete foundation that that Dominic simply gave England. Uh, apologies, as tra- trains will go past if they, if you're picking them up where you are. I live just overlooking a train track, so um, you know for any train enthusiasts, you know don't go anywhere for the next fifteen twenty minutes or so. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I thought that was a it, it's a great point because Stokes got in and got out at. Um, uh, at the Aegeus Bowl, uh, England were 240-odd for three uh, when he got out, Stokes, in second innings. And that led to a collapse, you know. And there were some murmurings mm. that maybe English should have accelerated a little bit earlier today. 
But that was very much in Stokes's mind. You could almost see that when he reached three figures. And then when the game uh, got to a position where he felt that they did need to kick on, he, he's got that ability, hasn't he? And Sibley, you could see, was struggling to click through the gears and, and hold out in the end. Um, but yeah, masterful from Stokes. And, you know, he joins a list of only five players, I think, uh, and second Englishman alongside Sir Ian Botham, who's scored 10 test centuries and taken 150 test wickets. Alongside Jack Callis, Garfield Sobers and uh, Ravi Shastri. There might be one other. But either way, I mean, that's phenomenal. And he's only going to get, he's only going to score more centuries, isn't he? So um, He is. He's, but he was, I think it's just a game awareness, John. I think that's the biggest thing that I think he's, we've all said Ben Stokes is, is getting better and better as, uh, as a match winner, as a, a leader. We've seen him captain last week. And I think he will captain England again. But I think it's his match awareness and when, when he needs to go through gears, when he needs to, you know, the, the, way he, the way he develops his understanding of what the game needs at a certain time for his team to go to the next, yeah, the next stage of the game or to put themselves in a match winning position, then I think that's, what, that's where Ben Stokes is getting better and better. And today was a game that was you know, a talk of 200. He wasn't thinking of 200 himself. He was thinking about how do I get my team in a match winning situation and match winning position because he knew the bowlers were tired and he knew he had Josh Butler, Ollie Pope, Josh Butler, you know, Sam Curran, or Chris Wokes, all these bowl, uh, you know, explosive batters, you know, bowling all-rounders, batting all-rounders that can come in and, and score runs. So for me, I, I can't speak highly and I, you, know, you know how I feel about, how, about Ben, but I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, the game plan of England's start and, England's, you know, it all, you know, the Ducks were in the right road today, as opposed to being at Southampton, where just simply having the captain back just seemed to have a little calm influence, possibly on a dressing room. You know, they might have been a little bit rudderless at Southampton, not understanding new captain hasn't had a game. Nobody in the top sort of, only one player in the top five, uh, top five, top seven, sorry, were 50 test matches. All these things there, I think that, and, and not having any cricket behind you, came at Southampton. Today, just having Joe back probably helped over the course of the last two or three days getting into the test match. And obviously, you know, the game, the, the, the test match set up so far. So it's going to be intriguing to see where it goes from here, though. Mm, well, that's what I was going to say, because it was a bit strange. Day one, only three wickets, but the ball was swinging all day and it was spinning. Um, there's a bit of moisture in the pitch. Uh, and again, on day two, it swung. Um, and Sam Curran got, sw- got swing uh, towards the end of the day as well. Uh, Rost and Chase got spin and, you know, took eight wickets without spinning a ball in Barbados. Mm. <laughs> but at the same time, it seemed very sluggish. But then it was still bouncing a fair amount as well. So, mm. I mean, how do you read the pitch? How do you think that the pitch will change as this test match goes on? I actually think the pitch is not a bad, not a bad cricket pitch for Test match cricket. There's a bit there for the ball. You have Dom Sibley, Ben Stokes have showed you if you're willing to work hard, not get too and you know, got not get too disappointed if you play and miss it a few because that's going to happen. And I think they did that brilliantly because I thought some of the West Indies bowling at times was 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 decent. It was good, but the ability to steer sort of focused and you know play each ball as a Cliche says on its merits, let the ball go, let the bowler come to you. You know, it wasn't exactly fast scoring because 
there's been no cricket, so there's no pitches that have been played on side by side. So what you normally get at Old Trafford is you get, because it's such a hard surface and it, it breaks up, when you play in the test matches, which is normally in the middle of summer to the back end of summer, you've got wickets either side where the ball will fly across and it goes for four if it's square of the wicket. But you can also throw the ball in, you can start getting the ball roughed up and it will reverse swing. That didn't happen. But because all these pitches are lush, and the grout field's lush. The ball is staying pristine. It's staying perfect. You know that I don't think this, this saliva stuff has had any any detriment to the to the game. Um, so because the outfields now are lush and there's no sort of uh, dry and dusty areas, the ball is staying nice. It's staying with its nice shine on, and they'll be able to swing it. So I think. It's more upstairs than downstairs. I think upstairs, if the cloud comes over and it's heavy, a bit like Lords and Headingley, when it when it's heavy cloud, it does swing and it does nip about a bit. We haven't really seen a sunshine in day, and well, I don't think we're going to get one tomorrow either. I think there's there's weather forecast around tomorrow, which will be good for England. So England are well in the game. It sounds crazy, but even if England lose 50 overs tomorrow because of it rains, I still think England are in a better position. Because it takes West Indies out of the Test match, as in a winning winning possibility, and it and it it gives the captain no option other than, well, we're going to have to bowl for two more days. We're going to have to bowl these out twice. We can't we can't sort of go and have a bat again. We have to enforce the follow on, and we have to go again. And I think that England are in that probably in that sort of position if they want to win the Test match. So, even if they lose time tomorrow, I still think there's enough in the wicket. There's always there's always something in the heavens around Manchester. So the ball will swing and the ball will nip about a bit. And I think England have got a great chance. They've got fresh bowlers. So I think England, England have played the situation and the conditions well. And that's why they're well ahead in the test match. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to add in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to work in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. moment of the day homie your name did come up in commentary on occasion today as it did yesterday you probably know why um <laughs> shannon gabriel i mean i was talking about this to jared after day one the guys just put in a man of the match display in the first test match we know that he had injury concerns for a large period of the last year actually it looks like a massive mistake to have played him in this test match although on occasion, he did bowl some, some beautiful deliveries and some decent spells. But 
his radar was absolutely all over the place at times. And it was quite painful to watch, wasn't it? I mean, you've been there slightly different reasons. I don't think in this occasion it was nerfed so much, but actually did have a bit of a sheepish grin on his face at times. He, he was obviously a little bit embarrassed about what was going on. Yeah, he will be, it will be nervous. Uh, I guarantee it will be nervous as well as um, because his body's stiff. He's six foot five. I know what it's like. In fact, he's not. He's bigger than that. He's taller than me. Um, when you haven't had a lot of bowling in you, it takes you a while to get going. Me, personally speaking from experience, it used to take me. I used to try and bowl a load. I was terrible in the gym. All my teammates will, will back me up on this and say, I was the last to go to the gym. I couldn't go to the gym for love and money. I hated the gym. I'd bowl for an hour, two hours at a time and just constantly bowl, 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 bowl. Because that was the only thing that would, one, get me fit. Two, because I needed to bowl a lot, it got me radar in a better position and it got me upright. You know, I'm from, from sort of week one of bowling where I lose my left side, I come out, come down the side, ball comes off your sort of third finger and it, and it, it sort of goes down the leg side a lot to maybe it's week two, week three to get in your bolt upright, muscles on your left-hand side strong so you can drive through and pull through and get the seam upright and get your hand and your wrist behind the ball. What does that do? It gives you confidence. When you've got confidence, it feels like you can do whatever you want. The minute it starts going, all of a sudden you start doubting. You start doubting on your left side. Am I pulling my left side through? The minute you stop pulling your left side through, you think, oh, I'm, it, it, me wrist, me shot, me, is it coming off me wrist? Is it coming off me third finger? All of a sudden, them doubts go, and you only have to be a small part of it out. And you'll see what happened with Shannon. You see what happened with me in Brisbane. So if you haven't got that rhythm behind it, if you don't feel confident enough as your wrist right behind the ball and you're letting things go, then that's the first part. The second part, when you bowl at 90 miles an hour, we keep that is a hell of a long way back. And when you're six foot six, he's even further, further back. So by the time it goes past the batsman, and I'm not talking about the one that went the second slip, but myself or for what Shannon did, but the one that goes down leg side or the one that goes down the offside. If the wicketkeeper is that far back even further, so for Hoggard, he'd be 15 yards back. For me, for Flintoff, he'd be 20, 20, 22 yards back. That seven, seven or eight yards makes a difference on where trajectory the ball is going. So if you think the angle it goes past the bat, it might be a little bit wide. It looks awful by the time it gets to the wicketkeeper because it's bounced in front of first slip and it's just dribbled. There's no real pace on it. So I can understand where Shannon's at at this moment in time. And what happens, the biggest thing that you start doing, and this is, this is one of the reasons I think Stephen Finn finished at, at national level. Because I, I think you... you I know for a fact, speaking from experience, I'm not going to, I'm not hide from the fact, I'll be honest, you're frightened to let go of the ball. You get to the top and you don't want to let go of it. And the minute you don't want to let go of it, that split sticking comes in, then you have the, you have the old Spanish waiter on your shoulders telling you you're not in the right place and it goes horribly wrong down the other end. And I think that's where Shannon has been in this test match. Because his body's sort of stiff and sore and he's letting himself down, because he hasn't got the volume of maybe he's, a hundred overs under his belt in either practice or in game time, then this is where we're at. He bowled magnificent at Southampton, but unfortunately, it's probably a little bit, a little bit of a bridge too far. And I thought an expert, experienced bowling coach or an experienced coach would have seen that and thought, you know what, he needs to come out. And but you just get nine, you just get nine wickets and got man a match. If Phil Simmons had said to me, 
I would have said, no, up yours, I'm playing. I'm, I've got these on toast. So it's, it's, you can see the argument that's come from, I can understand what he's done and how he's done it. Um, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it is embarrassing when it, when it happens. But you've, you've got to pick, pick yourself up and you move on to the, to the next day, which I think he did, he did reasonably well. To be fair, he kept going, he kept going. He could have easily just gone off. Um, we you talking about moment of the day. For me, the moment of the day was Dom Sibley's reaching his second hundred in Test match cricket, because now I hope Dom Sibley is sitting in his hotel room in Old Trafford, eating whatever nice food he's eating, thinking I belong at Test match level because he should do. And if he does that, the amount of confidence he's going to get from that, for me, is is that that means England can tick off. A box which is one of the you know in the not sure list. Now I think Sibley and Burns at the top of the order are are going to be a potential. I think they're going to be a potential opening partnership for a while. So, you know that's that's good for England. Good for the middle order if they've got eaten up balls. It takes a bit of pressure off Josh Butler if it, if if England are so determined to keep him in the team because the top order are giving them a chance. Um, so the moment of the day for me is the uh, is the is the run that Dom Sibley got to his second century. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's what I wrote down as well. You know, one of my favourite moments actually from our trip to South Africa came after that famous day at Cape Town last day, and uh, got back to the hotel. We were staying in the same hotel as the England players, and I got into the lift just as Dominic Sibley uh, got into the lift himself. He'd obviously uh, he'd had a He'd had one or two. He was absolutely fine, steady on his feet. Um, I just said, oh, well done. And I said, uh, you know, I work for Talk Sport and I'll send you the commentary from your, you know, the radio commentary from your highlight, you know, the highlights of your innings, if you want. Mm. And his face just lit up. He was just so, you can tell he was so happy, uh, as you would be. I'm mean, sure you felt the same mm. when you got your first five for, for England or when you got your first, you know, had your first success for England. Um so, yeah, I mean, two centuries and a 50 in the first eight test matches. Uh, well played, Dom Sibley. What is going to happen tomorrow? OK, Harmy, well, you've kind of uh, covered it a little bit, but it's at this point of the day that we uh, basically guess and suggest what could happen. Uh, not what should happen, not what happen if England bowl well um, or if West Indies bats uh, nicely. Where do you think the game would be come stumps on day three, albeit... Uh, we do have to consider that the weather may play a factor, but we can even we can even forecast that as well. Where do you see the game going? Yeah, I think obviously the weather forecast. The players can't do anything about that. The only person that should have any concern with the weather forecast is the captain, because he is then going to dictate where the game goes and how fast he wants the game to go. Uh, if it's a full day's player, I, I, no question. I think England's bowling resources has enough. To, Eng- to have England in a position to win the Test match on day four. Um, if England, if we do have a lot of rain, then, like I said before, I think it still helps England because then it takes the follow-on. Question whether you're bat or you bowl, you just bowl and you get on with it. it. The one thing I would say, what England have got with a Test match, for the, for the rest of the Test match, the ball's turning. And actually, England's probably England's biggest turner of a, of a cricket ball is Joe Root. So, Joe Root could actually play a big part taking ninth in the 19 wickets to come because him and Bess 
Potentially, England will have to make them follow on because of the weather. So, Joe Root could actually play a massive part, not only as captain and trying to dictate the way the game is going, but also with his ball, because he, he does turn the ball. And we've seen, you mentioned Ross and Chase, he's not a big spinner of a ball. He had this thing turning square. Best is not a massive turner of a ball, but Joe, Joe does get the ball to turn. So, if they can get the ball to turn, it give, takes a little bit of pressure off the seam bowlers, gives them a little bit more of a rest and it can come with a you know, short, sharp burst each time um, and really put the, the West Indian batsmen under pressure because as much as I was critical as, of the um, England batsmen in the first Test match, being sort of being inexperienced and weak and you know, not having the, the, you know, the, the know-how on, on the Test match level, I can't see the West Indies batting as good as what they did at, at uh, Southampton. I still think there's a lot of flaws in the West Indies batting unit. So I think if that does happen, there is a little bit of rain around. I still think England can win this test match comfortably. Where do I see the end of day three? I can see possibly England losing 40, 40 odd overs and having the West Indies about seven down tomorrow night. Brilliant stuff. Harmy, I love it. You, uh, you tell it how it is and Brilliant insight as well. Look forward to uh, seeing if you're right this time tomorrow. Um, and hopefully you're wrong about the weather. Uh, I never believe the weather forecast. So I'm, I'm going to approach day three with sunny optimism. It's Manchester. I know, I know. And it's been pretty <laughs> dreary for the last couple of days. Um, mate, lovely to see you. And uh, we'll touch base again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to following on podcast. I know there's a lot of uh, choices out there. So for you to listen to our podcast is, uh, well, it means a lot to everyone. Uh, and you can listen to it on ACOS, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But for now, uh, thanks for listening. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.